Welcome Revelation TV viewers, this is God Day. My name is Derek Walker, I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today I want to share with you about rebound techniques. Um, you know there are two ways we can live our life. One is by the way that we kind of grew up just doing, which is living from our own strength uh, and uh, just living according to to how we think and feel in our own strength, depending on ourselves. The Bible says something about this in Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is the way of death. So God says there's another way to live, and that's the way we need to learn, which is called living by faith. That's living depending on God and his life and his word and trusting in him as the source of our life. And another way to say that is living under grace because God's grace is his operational power flowing in us. If we're born again, the grace of God flows in us out of our spirit by the Holy Spirit and we can learn to trust that. It says if we will walk under grace, and submit to the grace of God in us, we will not be under the power of the sin nature. And so we want to learn to live this new way, living by faith. And I'm going to share with you today some one area really where we can, this will really change our life. And it's the area of how we respond to things that happen to us. Because really, your life isn't primarily defined by what happens to you, but more so by how you respond to those things. That, In the end, that is the determinative thing. How do you respond? And when things happen to you, good things, bad things, whatever, you can either respond in the flesh, in the natural way, or you can respond by faith. And, 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 I want to talk about this. How do you respond? How do you rebound from situations? You see, one, one person might receive an, a blow that knocks him to the ground and he just stays there. He quits. And another one will get himself up and rebound. So I want to teach you some areas where you need to rebound in God's way uh, and, and then you will walk in the blessing of God. So it's not what happens to you, but how you respond to the things that happen to you that really defines you and determines your success or failure in life. You'll see many people that you would think of, wow, they were successful people, but actually they were knocked down many times in their life, but they knew how to rebound. So I, there's actually four areas we'll cover quickly. The first area I think is the most important uh, is how do you rebound from sin? Yes, we do sin, and, um, but it's how you rebound that, that matters more than anything. When you sin, by the way, if you're, if you're a believer in Christ, you do not lose your relationship with God. You're still a child of God. You still belong to God. You are still in covenant with God, but our fellowship with God is, is uh, diminished. You know, it's kind of like you're in a bright room. That's when you're in fellowship with God. You're walking in the light. When you sin, it's not like you go into total darkness, but the lights go down. 
in your life. You don't see things as clearly. You become spiritually dull and, and you, your heart becomes hardened and your ability to operate in spiritual things is diminished. And so the light level goes down, uh, you know, and, you know, you don't enjoy the presence of God as much. And so it is important not, you know, to bounce back from that place. And of course, the key scripture that you need to know how to rebound from sin is 1 John 1, 9. Uh, and, and this is a good verse for Christians. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is a wonderful verse. I'm glad I was taught this early on in my Christian life. In other words, when you sin, don't run away from God. Run to God. Don't wait till you go to church before you confess your sins. Confess them to God as quickly as possible. Bounce back. Because while you don't bounce back, you're like that man who's, been, who's tripped up. You fall into the ground. Your face is in the dust. And then you feel so guilty you don't even get up again. But this verse is, tells you how you can get up. To confess your sins, this word confess simply means to say the same thing as. And basically God says that is sin. That attitude is sin. That thing you did is sin. It was wrong. It wasn't God's will. And you simply got to agree with God. You've just got to say to God, God, yes, I bring that to the light. I admit that was wrong. I'm sorry. And he says, if you do confess your personal sins, He's faithful. He's faithful to his promise, his promise right here, his promise to forgive you. He, he, will, he will forgive you when you confess. And he is righteous to forgive your sins. Righteous means he is, he is just and righteous to forgive your sins because of the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus paid the price for your sins to be forgiven, then God has a legal basis. He is righteous in forgiving your sins. See, if Jesus wouldn't have died for your sins, you could have confessed your sins all you like. It wouldn't have done you any good because that sin still is legally on your account. But because Jesus paid the price, he can righteously forgive you of your sins when you confess them. Praise God. And he doesn't just forgive you your sins. It says he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Now, this is different, you see. To, to be forgiven is a legal thing, and that's kind of outside you. It's kind of like that sin counts against you. It, it, it stands between you and your fellowship with God. Uh, and, and so when you confess your sin, God wipes that clean. But we can still carry the sin consciousness in our heart. And even though God has forgiven us, we can still act as if we're still not forgiven uh, because we feel that guilt and that shame. So as well as being legally forgiven, we need to be cleansed or washed from our sins inside our conscience, you see, in, a, in our heart. And it says the blood of Jesus will do that. And so God promises not just to forgive us, but also to cleanse us, our consciousness, but with the, the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Some people block that process because they don't forgive themselves. And when you don't forgive yourselves, it's, it's like you're holding on to that sin and you won't let that cleansing process happen. 
and you still feel guilty and ashamed. What you need to do in that situation is to say, Lord, you've forgiven me my sin. You are satisfied with the blood of Jesus for me. And so I agree with you that the blood of Jesus is, is sufficient and it satisfies you and therefore it satisfies me that my sin is forgiven. And therefore, on the basis of the blood of Jesus, I forgive myself. Some of you need to forgive yourself because God has forgiven you. You might say, well, I can't forgive myself. No, that's pride because God has forgiven you. Get in agreement with God. Humble yourself under God's word and say, okay, I forgive myself. And then, it's, then you will receive that cleansing from the guilt and the shame of that sin. And so that's how we rebound from sin. Um, we must confess them to God and, and uh, he will then immediately forgive us and to cleanse us. Uh, Psalm 32 says, verse one, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And then he, he describes in verse three what happened when he didn't confess his sin. Because part of, sometimes we go into denial. We, we don't want to think about that thing. We bury it, but it's still there and it's still causing problem in our life. He says, when I kept silent, when I didn't confess my sin, this is David, of course, after he sinned with Bathsheba, I think. My bones grew old through my groaning all day long. So that, that unconfessed sin works inside you. It's like a toxin on the inside of you. And it, and it causes um, you to, as it were, grow old. Be, in other words, the curse uh, accelerates in your body. Um, and, and because you're, no, you're under that sin, is like opens the door for the curse to work in, in your body, in your mind. He says, my groan, bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. And he's talking about depression also coming upon him because of that unconfessed sin. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Salah. It's so important to confess your sin. You know, if you, it's like a toxin that builds up inside you and it makes you unwell. Verse 5, then he says, I acknowledged my sin to you. That's what we have to do. And my iniquity I have not hidden. See, when we bury it, we're, we're hiding our sin. But he says, acknowledge it. He sa I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The classic one is Psalm 51, of course. David says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And, and basically, this is when he sinned, against, committed adultery with Bathsheba, and even arranged the, the death of Bathsheba's husband. Terrible sin. And, and in Psalm 51, he is confessing his sin before God. And um, he asks God to blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And it's interesting what he says here is, my sin is always before me. That means 
especially if, if there is something you've done that really you feel so guilty about um, and, and it's a burden upon you, you know, it's all right to, to look, at, look at that sin. Let it be before you. I want, you know, see that sin in its full horror and how it's hurt you, but also how it's hurt God, how it's hurt other people and, and, and hate that sin. Um, it's not a matter of that you've got to get yourself into an emotional state as such, but you, you want to see that sin for what it is and hate it, and then you can totally repent of it and turn from it and confess it to God and ask God to thoroughly cleanse you and blot that sin out. And he will, he will. But sometimes we don't hate that sin enough. And uh, that's why David says, my sin is always before me. He wasn't hiding it anymore. He was taking a good look at it, how bad it was, not to do that for the rest of his life, but to do it so that his, he would truly uh, repent of that sin. Verse four, he says, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. He sees that that sin is, is, is horrendous in the sight of God. And um, he says that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. He says, you would be right to judge me for my sin and, and it is rightfully sin, but you have forgiven me. Then he says verse, in verse seven, purge me with hyssop. I love that. You see, when the, when the, on the day of Passover, they would apply the blood to the, to the door of the house and that would keep out the destroying, uh, the destroying angel. And they would apply the blood with hyssop. It's a special plant. And so when he says, purge me with hyssop, he's really saying, apply the blood of Jesus to me. Apply the blood, the sacrificial blood of the Passover lamb. Apply it to me. And because and it, it's by the blood that our sins are cleansed. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you've broken may, re may rejoice. Hide your, face, uh, hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. God will not only forgive, but he will forget. He'll blot out those sins. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and re renew a steadfast spirit within me. So we ask God for two things. First of all, to forgive us our sins, to blot them out of his record book. And secondly, to cleanse us on the inside, to wash us on the inside so that we can get up and go on with our life and be restored to fellowship. So this is number one. This is the main one, really. We must, be good. We must learn these rebound techniques. We must be skillful at rebounding from sin by coming to God and confessing our sins to God and, and, and hating those sins and can, agreeing with God that that is sin. We have to bring it to the light. Now, the number two might be a surprise to you, but we also need to rebound from success and blessing in our life. Because you see, when something, you have tremendous success in your life, you've achieved something great or whatever, God's used you in, in a miracle. Uh, God's used you to give a, a great um, prophecy, 
whatever it might be. Uh, and everyone is cheering you, perhaps. The flesh reaction to that is to become proud and to forget God. Maybe you've, you receive a, a, a promotion at work or a lot of money through an inheritance. The, the flesh reaction is, is to think, oh, aren't I great? And, uh, you know, and, and, and God gets forgotten now because you've got what you want in the flesh. And you will actually begin to trust in that blessing. You'll find your comfort and your satisfaction in that blessing rather than in your relationship with God. And somehow God begins to take the back seat in your life. You know, that's the very thing God warned Israel about. He says, look, as you come into the promised land and as you begin to have harvests and God blesses you and you have your houses and you have everything that your heart desires, beware, I think this is Deuteronomy 8, lest you forget God, that it's God who gave you the power. To, to have and enjoy these things. And you will forget God because you'll let your heart just be satisfied in those things. And that's the flesh reaction to success. And what happens is you move away from God and now you open yourself up to the curse. The faith response to success, and this is really important, is to give thanks to God for the blessing. The moment God gives you that success, God blesses you in a special way. Make sure you give the thanks and the glory to God. Thank you, Lord, that you gave me this victory. Thank you, Lord. It's by your grace that you provided this wonderful car for me or the, this house or, or this new relationship. Give thanks to God. Acknowledge that God is the source of all your blessing. Then you'll stay connected in to God. And James 1.9 says that. He says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation. So this was a poor brother and suddenly gets exalted. Maybe he gets a big promotion, comes into an inheritance. And he says, yes, by your glory, but give God the glory in that. Don't take the credit to yourself. I, I think particularly as of the 10 lepers that Jesus healed. And that was a great breakthrough in their lives. Yet only one of them returned to give thanks. That was the, the correct response, was to give thanks to Jesus for giving that, that healing, that healing, that cleansing. And then Jesus said, go and you, you will be made whole. See, the other lepers, they received part of their miracle. They were cleansed from, the, from that skin disease. But if they had lost a finger or a hand, that was still lost. But this leper that gave thanks, he stayed connected to the power of God and now he was made whole, which meant his hand grew back, his finger grew back, you see. When you don't give thanks for the blessing, what happens is you, you stop the power of God working in your life. The third one is how to rebound from setbacks and trials. The flesh reaction when something bad happens to you in life is you get discouraged, even you start blaming God. Oh God, why did you allow this to happen to me? You get, and, uh, you know, and that's the wrong reaction. That's the way that leads to death. But the faith response is to actually rejoice in God. That sounds counterintuitive, but it's important that when something bad happens to you, that you rebound immediately giving praise and, to God. Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for good for those who are loving him, 
who are the called according to his purpose. If you're a believer, that's you. But as you keep loving him, whatever happens, he will work it together for good. You know, when he says he works all things, he doesn't just say all good things. It's he will work all things, including the bad things. The things that the enemy sent to destroy you, God will work them for good. We, we don't say that bad things come from God, no, but God will work them for good, you see. But only as we, re, we respond in the right way, as we keep loving God. Yet if you start blaming God, then that bad thing will work bad in your life. But if you respond and rebound by praising God, by rejoicing in God, when you're persecuted, the Bible says rejoice. And as you do that, the, the glory of God in your life will increase. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? He said, blessed are you who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, when you're reviled and persecuted, rejoice, for great is your reward in heaven. James chapter 1, he says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why can you rejoice? Because he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. And then he says, this, let you, this patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What he's really saying here is that as you continue to trust God and to thank God, uh, God is working strong character in you, strong patience. And he's working like a spiritual backbone in you. And so that you become perfect, you become spiritually mature. And that means you'll be able to have more of the presence and the glory of God in your life. So when trials happen, you should say, Lord, I know this isn't from you, but Lord, I thank you that you're going to work this for good. I thank you that a great victory is going to come out of this. Thank you that, that I'm going to draw closer to you through this. Because often trials, you know, they kind of force, they remind you of your weakness. I came across a quote from Spurgeon. He says, God doesn't need your strength because he's got plenty of strength of his own. What he does need from you is your weakness. And sometimes we're so strong in ourselves, we don't depend on God. But when a trial comes, even though it's an evil thing, it reminds us of how weak we are and how much we need God. And it causes us to dig deeper in God. And through that, God actually works it for good. Because from then on, we're more tr trusting in God, more in our life. And so God can do more things in us and through us because of that. And so we can rejoice because God's going to work this thing for our good. James 1.12, he says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation who keeps trusting God and thanking God through that, that, that time. And he says, because when he has been approved, when he passes the test, he'll receive the crown of life that God has promised those who love him. So as you love him in the trial, you will come into greater reward and greater life. Hallelujah. Don't believe that that bad thing that happens is from God. It isn't. But... God will work it for your good. So rebound. When bad things happen to you, rebound. You know, if you do that, every setback will be a stepping stone to greater things. Praise God. You will grow the fastest 
you can grow the fastest through the hardest times. Romans 5.2, he says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That is God's glory working out in your life. And not only that, we glory in tribulations. We glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, that which is hoped for. In other words, we can rejoice in the hard times because God will work that for good by making us, by developing our character, by developing our faith, so that there's a greater channel in us through which God's glory can be revealed. Hallelujah. All right, well, one more. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Greater glory will come through this affliction as long as, this is the condition, while we do not look at or focus on the things which are seen, which is the problem, but look at the things which are not seen, which is what God's doing through this situation. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So while we've, we've, we turn our eyes from the problem which, to, to God and we glory in God and we say, thank you, Lord, you're going to work this for my good. That's how you rebound from bad things. And finally, the last thing you must learn to rebound from quickly is from rebound from hurts and offenses. When people hurt you, when people do something bad, you rebound by forgiving them quickly. You see, the flesh reaction is to nurse it, rehearse it, become bitter and unforgiving, and that will only hurt you. But the faith reaction is forgive quickly. Be kind, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God has forgiven you. So in other words, and Jesus, of course, said, if you don't forgive, you know, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. So you'll, you'll create a blockage between you and God if you, are, if you don't forgive. So how do we rebound? We must be good at, these are rebound techniques. Rebound from your sin by confessing your sin quickly. Re rebound from success by giving thanks and, to God and give him the glory for your success. Rebound from setbacks and attacks by rejoicing in God that he is going to turn this thing for good. And rebound from offenses and hurts by forgiving that person quickly, by saying, Look, God, you've forgiven me of my sin. You've forgiven me of a trillion pound debt. So I'm going to forgive my brother and my sister, that person of that 10 pound debt that they owe me because of that sin. I forgive, I forgive them. Forgive quickly. Otherwise, it will, get its, its, it will get into you and you'll become bitter and it will only hurt you. Rebound. These are the rebound techniques. God bless you. Thank you.